Welcome to Our Missouri, a podcast about the people, places, culture, and history of the 114 counties and independent city of St. Louis that comprise the great state of Missouri. Each episode focuses on a topic related to the state, ranging from publications about Missouri's history to current projects undertaken by organizations to preserve and promote local institutions. The Our Missouri podcast is recorded in the J. Christian Bay Rare Books Room at the State Historical Society of Missouri's Columbia Research Center and is generously provided to you by the State Historical Society of Missouri. And now, here's your host, Sean Rost. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, or whatever hour you're tuning in to listen to the Our Missouri podcast. My name is Sean Rost, and I'll be your guide as we explore the memories, moments, and misfortunes from Our Missouri. Spring is here, the temperatures are warming up, the trees are green, and the wildlife is out. The state's highways and waterways are calling your name. For many, May marks the start of vacation season, and so it's time to hit the road. In today's episode, we're headed to the Mother Road, better known as Route 66, for a conversation with Katie Seal, Senior Archivist at the State Historical Society of Missouri's Rollo Research Center. Welcome to the Our Missouri Podcast, Katie. Thank you. Could you tell us a little bit about the Rollo Research Center and where it's located at on the Missouri S&T campus? Yeah, absolutely. So we are located in the basement of the Curtis Laws Wilson Library. We've been there since 1980, so the same room down there, room G3, if you want to get real specific. And how long has the research center been in Rollo? So our office opened in January of 1980. Um, It started as the Western Historic Manuscript Collection, or WHCMC is what a lot of people know it as. We switched over to the SHS and were the curators of the WHMC in 2011. Now, what counties comprise this Rollo Research Center collecting area? Originally, when the office was first open, um, the collecting region was actually all of southern Missouri counties. So our collections encompass all of southwest Missouri, central, and southeast. But more recently, with the opening of the Springfield and the Cape Girardeau offices, our collecting area has shrunk a little to 13 counties. So from about Mary's and Phelps County, straight south, all the way to the Arkansas border are the counties that we cover. For people who are interested in preserving their history or their community's history uh, and thinking about the Rollo Research Center if they're in those collecting counties, uh, what's the best way to kind of get in contact with you or kind of some of the collections that you are thinking about focusing on for the future? Yeah, so we are open to anything that you might think has historic preservation needs. You know, if you think it should, feel free to contact us. Um Probably the easiest way is either by email or by phone. Um, and right now I'm, I'm focusing and looking at collections that are science and technology related. We're on a science and technology campus. It makes sense. It's not an area we have done strong collecting in in the past. Um, with that being said, we're not by any means restricting it to that. So it's still very open to business records, genealogical records, anything of that nature, um, feel free to contact us, and I would be more than happy to talk to you about it. Uh, And what types of materials do you usually have housed at the Research Center that you collect? So we have a little bit of everything. In the past, there's been a lot of emphasis on transportation, Civil War, kind of science and technology collections. So um, we have some really good collections connected to the railroad. Rolla itself was a major railroad head during the Civil War, so kind of by default, um, we were interested in that. And then also Civil War, um, we have a lot of really good 
diaries and correspondence. You had um, some major troop movements and union presence in Rolla. So there's a lot of letters from that area. Um, we also have um, connected with the transportation as well, um, Route 66 materials, which came through Rolla and um, traversed several of the counties within our collecting area as well. And what are some of the notable collections? Um, some of the bigger, probably well-known collections, we have a large Frisco or the St. Louis and San Francisco Railway Company, um, R362. So these are the business records for the Frisco Railway, um, the Burlington Northern um, Company, which is now um, overseeing uh, much of the Frisco line, um, donated those to us. So we have records not just from the main Frisco lines, but from several of the smaller railroad lines that um, the Frisco either bought out or, or took over over time. So there's a lot of really great records. There's maps. There's photographs. Um, so that one gets used a lot as well. Um, we also have a lot of interesting mining collections. So um, you have the lead belt that goes through southeastern Missouri. You have the tri-state mining area down in southwest Missouri. So we've got a lot of collections connected to those. One in particular is the American Zinc Collection. So that was a large conglomerate company that took over a lot of smaller mining prospects. So that's one that gets used uh, a lot. There's a lot of really good information. Again. Maps, business records, correspondence, photographs, a lot of really good, useful information in there. We also have, this is one we're actually currently processing right now, the U.S. Um, Geological Survey. They had a research center in Rolla on the S&T campus, so we have some of their records from that research center. So some of the, the records and different projects that they did, some of the experiments, we've got some photographs, some press releases, different papers from um, that area, and then also some, some maps of the different projects and stuff that they went out and did across the state and then also in some of the surrounding states as well, because they covered a good portion of the Midwest. That, uh, their area kind of changed over time, um, grew and then shrunk down to just the Midwest, so um, it's not just Missouri materials in, in those collections as well. Well, obviously, one of my favorite collections is Rotoscope. I mean, we, we've, yes. we've talked about that in the past, that a lot of SHS kind of avenues and, and social media and things like that. Tell us a little bit about the history of that collection and all that it encompasses. Yeah, so this is a, a really unique um, collection. It's out of the Carney family. So Roe Carney Jr. Um, was a native of Rolla. Um, his family um, actually owned several um, theaters throughout town and also, I believe, in, in Lebanon and St. James, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, Roe Carney himself was a projectionist um, during World War II. And um, early on in his career, after, after he had left the Army, he'd come back and actually attended um, the opening for Cinerama in New York City. So this was a um, large curved screen that showed 180 degree view of a video. But how they did it was they used three cameras to record and then three projectors in order to show the video. So there were some problems with lining up the edges and it wasn't all quite there and he thought he could do it better. Turns out he actually could. He went home and... Um, uh, through a lot of a lot of tinkering, was actually able to create a film attachment um, and also a projector attachment that allowed him to record 
180 degree view on a single reel of 35 millimeter film. And then he was able to project that on his curved screen. So he has patents for the video projector, for the film attachment, for the projector attachment, and then also for the screen as well. And he retrofitted one of the the Uptown Theater there in Rolla to fit this this new curved screen because no other theater could could actually house it. Um, and 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 it was amazing. He actually ended up attaching this to the front of his car. So this is um, late 1950s, early 1960s driving around Rolla in through Jeff City. So if you've got views of the capitals from the 60s, um, he took it to Forest Park in St. Louis and actually went on a roller coaster with it. Um, he took it for an airplane ride out of Vienna. Um, some, some really amazing early images, but what's really great about it is, especially when he's in the car, you don't just get the forward view, but you get the, the side view of all of the businesses and the cars and everybody turning to look and wondering, what is that? Um, so yeah, we have all of those original films. His son, Gene Carney donated those to us. So we have all of the original films. We have his original patents, um, the schematics for how they invented these things. Some of the press releases he got, um, you know, movie makers from across the country who came to view this film to, to see this wonder. I mean, he was really kind of ahead of his time, um, in the early sixties there with that. Are there efforts being made to preserve and make those films available to a wider audience? Yeah, we actually are. So um, all of the physical materials, so the photographs, the correspondence, those things um, have already been processed and are available for viewing. Um, we also have some, um, all of the films were captured digitally. However, with um, the makeup of how these films are are done, the each reel, each um, clip has the three images that you know show up kind of wonky so just viewing the film you actually have to view it through the projector to get the full 180 degree um so we haven't made it through that process to be able to have a, the the full capture but it's, so far everything has been digitized at this part so it's just the next step of getting it into that 180 degree view and then being able to digitize that not just the raw film footage Someone put it online in one of those uh, Facebook groups, like history groups, yes. one of his YouTube videos that he has, and it blew up. It, it's uh, amazing. He's got a few more, and that is, um, so he was able to flip it, and it's actually just a small portion. Mm -hmm. Like, he had to he had to cut it down for the YouTube videos, so mm -hmm. there's actually more to the film. It's it, it's pretty bizarre. Yeah, I, was, I, I caught it, and I was like, hey, this is where the collection is housed at. This is where you can find it at. People are like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Because it's just that nostalgia element. Like, you know, you can drive around town in 1961, and, you know, there's your house. There's right. where you went to school. Uh, people right. were just like, eat that stuff up. So, oh, yeah, yeah, because yeah, he's got S&T. He's even got one point where he gets on Route 66 at, at that time, and um, they've cut it to one of the major films. So now they've got like a, a soundtrack, and this dramatic music starts. And you see a state trooper pull up, and he gets pulled over, and then the and then it fades out, and you're just like, wonder what that conversation was like, <laughs> sir. What's what's on the front of your car? What's what's happened? Because I mean, you know, he has a large 35 millimeter camera, and then the attachment itself is a good three and a half feet long. So, yeah, I, I wanted them to keep filming. I want to know what happens next. We can only imagine uh -huh. how that probably went down or how unsafe that probably was 
to think about that camera because it, it was a big when it was attached to the front of the car it was not a small no attachment no not at all and i don't know how they there's there's a picture of them actually attaching it to the the hood of his car you know late 60s you know early 60s car so you know good big boat of a car but mm. it, like there's not a lot of straps or i'm not sure how it, how it was firmly firmly attached and he's got one video in particular where he's in the streets of Rolla where you know he's at a train stop and the train goes by and then he just kind of takes off in the car and it's like this mad you know race through the streets i'm like how is that safe but yeah, it feels very much like a 3D movie. You get a little a little nauseous watching that a little bit, but mm. that kind of was the point. Yeah, yeah I think that was that was the point. Throw you back and forth. Yeah, yeah. Before we return to our conversation, let's take a step back in time with Bob Pretty to an event from this week in history in a Missouri Minute. I'm Bob Pretty with this Missouri Minute. When one of his biographers asked him if his father had been a success, Harry Truman responded, "He was the father of the president of the United States, and I should think that is success enough for any man." Harry Truman became the successful man's son on May the 8th, 1884. For years, he was the beloved Captain Harry of the 129th Field Artillery from World War I. His post-war clothing store failed, a term as county administrative judge, then a defeat, and then victory as the presiding judge of the Jackson County Administrative Court, winning in 1926 and 1930, which led to his election in 1934 with backing from the notorious political boss Tom Pendergast to the U.S. Senate. He was re-elected in 1940, beating the immediate past governor, and headed a committee during World War II credited with saving government millions of dollars. He was criticized for his friendship with Pendergast, but always maintained he had never done anything wrong and would not have done anything wrong even if Pendergast had asked. Vice President in 1944, President upon the death of Franklin Roosevelt. His 1948 re-election is considered one of the great upsets in political history. He died in 1972, Missouri's only native-born president. I'm Bob Pretty for the Center for Missouri Studies. Tell us about this year's Ozark Picking Time concert. Okay, so this is a little different from what we had last year. So last year was Bluegrass Picking Time, um, and that was kind of a tribute to some of the bluegrass legends that we have in Missouri. So we had Mona Jones, um, Jim Orchard, and Jimmy Allison, some very well-known and notable musicians um, from Missouri who do traditional bluegrass. So each of those musicians have donated to the Rolla Research Center their collections, their personal collections, which includes some of the flyers from the events that they've been to, their original music, um, photographs, some really great insight into the world of bluegrass music from Missouri. Um, so we really wanted to highlight those musicians and, and uh, their talent. This year we, we opened it up a little bit more, and so it's the Ozark Pickin' Time, and where you want to highlight the traditions of Ozark music whether that be traditional bluegrass, um, whether it's more folk or gospel or acoustic guitar, what that may um, be. Because there's a lot of amazing music traditions in the Ozarks of Missouri. Some of them have um, traditions that, that originate from other parts of the country or other parts of the world, and it all kind of feeds back into what makes up this culture and this tradition for the Ozarks. So this year we have Jimmy Allison is coming back, but he's actually bringing, um, he's reuniting his band Midnight Flight. This group played together for over 20 years. So it's it's really interesting to see them come back and they're a traditional bluegrass group. So they're going to be playing some of, 
some old favorites, some of their original music that they had um, made together previously. And I think they're coming up with new stuff again as well. And then we're going to be joined by Jerry Rosa and the Rose String Works Band. Uh, get all of that in there. So um, he's another local from the Phelps County area who is very well known for his mandolin guitar playing. He also makes and repairs these. So he's well versed in, in any stringed instrument, that's for sure. Um, and he, he brings a little bit more not just traditional bluegrass, but some new, more contemporary and some original works of his own and his groups. And then we also have Meredith Cisco and Accomplices. So um, if anybody knows Meredith's name, she was actually the featured vocalist for the movie Winter's Bones. And those musicians that are playing with her were actually some of the musicians that played on that soundtrack as well. Um, Meredith is a renowned master storyteller so she not only um, is a talented musician, but a talented storyteller as well. And she does that not just through her music, but in other avenues as well. So we're really excited to have them and to showcase a little bit broader range of the music traditions. Now, how did this concert series idea originate? This, doesn't, this even kind of goes back beyond SHS in the area and kind of Phelps County, but also in areas like Salem and down towards. Yeah, absolutely. So we kind of got the idea actually from uh, Mona and Bill Jones. So they started one of the, if not the earliest, bluegrass festival in Missouri at their home in Dixon. Um, so that was um, the 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 picking one more time is is what we we get from them, and they did that for decades down there. It ended up it was a twice a year event, Memorial and Labor Day, where bluegrass musicians from all over would come and just play together all day long. So we kind of wanted to get that feel again of bringing all these bands together and they can each play individually. And then we had the jam session at the end where literally all three of our bands got together and played. And, you know, these are people that may not have seen each other for a full year, but once they're up there on stage playing together, it's, it's really something interesting to see. And you can see just how talented these individuals are and how strong these bluegrass traditions are. They may not see each other for half a year, but they all got together at Dixon and you could see some of them reliving some of those memories again. And that's kind of what we wanted. We wanted to draw attention not only to the fact that we have collections that highlight the Dixon Festival, but other festivals that these musicians had been at. Um, and then also hopefully pull more people in because we know that more people have these collections, have these memories um, that would be really great to have preserved that other people can see as well. And what date is the concert? It's going to be on May 19th and we're going to start at one o'clock and we're going to have each of our bands play for about an hour and then probably a jam session towards the end. So feel free to come and go as you like. And does people need tickets for that or how can they learn more about the overall concert so we actually do have this on our events page and there's a place on there where you can go ahead and register but you do not need a ticket that register is just to let us know a ballpark figure of how many people are going to show up you're more than welcome to contact us at the Rolla Research Center as well for more information but yeah it is free and open to the public we are asking for a $10 donation or whatever you feel led to give um, but as far as that, it's free, it's open, it's a family-friendly event, so anyone of all the ages is welcome to come. 
Thanks for being on the podcast with us, Katie. No, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. As always, I am your host, Sean Rost. The show's producer is Brian Austin. The opening and concluding credits are narrated by Kevin Walsh. If you're interested in more of the people, places, culture, and history around our Missouri, check out the following upcoming events. If you're in the mood for a little bluegrass music to kick off your summer, Raw is the place to be on May 19th for Ozark Picking Time. This afternoon of music and memories will be held at the Highway 72 Event Center in Rolla and features Jimmy Allison and Midnight Flight, Jerry Rosa and the Rosa Stringworks Band, and Meredith Sisko and Accomplices. This event is free and open to the public, though registration is appreciated. While you're there, be sure to check in with the staff from the State Historical Society to learn how the Historical Society is preserving the state's rich musical heritage. If you are planning to attend the 2019 Family History Conference in St. Charles on May 8th through the 11th, be sure to visit the State Historical Society of Missouri's exhibit booth to learn more about how to preserve genealogy and local history. Finally, coming up this summer, the Our Missouri Podcast will launch a four-part series celebrating the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 mission and moon landing. In an effort to document the history of the moon landing and grow the Historical Society's oral history archive, we will be collecting stories from listeners who are interested in speaking about their memories of this historic event. These memories of the moon landing conversations will be preserved in the Missouri Innovation and Exploration Oral History Project, with some of the stories being featured on the podcast. If you're interested in contributing your story, please contact us by email at ourmissouri at shsmo.org. Thank you for listening to the Our Missouri Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the podcast, including past and future episodes, information about guests, and upcoming events, please visit our website at shsmo.org slash our dash Missouri.